Hello and welcome to the India Dunn & Company podcast. My creative, compassionate, passionate artists, hair healers and beauty experts, I am excited for you to experience this conversation today. This is the first of a series of conversations that I will be having with healers, visionaries, leaders of thought, experts in life's unique expression within the individual. Today I'm bringing you a conversation with Melanie Weller. She's a vagus nerve expert, physical therapist, and medical intuitive, and that is just the tip of the iceberg. I had my mind blown so many times during this conversation. I apologize for how many times I said, wow, but that was really all I could respond with (laughs) many, many times. She's developed a method of uh, pressure point release that aids in bringing flow and vibrancy. Um, She's igniting her community to thrive in all areas of their lives. Her book, Remembering, Connecting Our Stories and Our Bodies for Genius, Health and Flow, will be released at the end of this year. And um, I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And, you know, always be open to looking at your life, your body, the world and its information in in new ways. Uh, learning as Melanie Weller talks about learning the language of the body, relearning it, uh, remembering. And I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hello and welcome to the India Down and Company podcast. I am very excited to offer this conversation to Melanie Weller, tuning in from New Orleans, Louisiana. Thank you so much and welcome. Thank you, India, for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am super excited just personally to have this conversation with you because I align with so much of what you offer. And um, I love, you know, that you open up your page and there's this vibrant, beautiful photograph of you and it's find your flow state, ignite your fire and Yes. Thank you. Bring it. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's taken me. Uh, I, I think the scope of my work has been um, such that it's been really challenging for me to niche it down to like, you know, mm-hmm. like, what is that? What is that transformation? But for me, uh, you know, I think we all do what we need most to heal ourselves. Amen. And we give that too. And I think for me, that's very much about fire and water and bringing those into uh, those two aspects of myself into alignment. And that's part of what I offer to others as well. <laughs> wow. Well, I completely uh, hear you and align with that so much. And I, I wouldn't even know where to begin, how to explain all of the um, aspects of what you bring to, to guide and, <laughs> and support. So I'm going to let you do that. Sure. Well, So I've been a physical therapist for nearly 25 years, and I was an athletic trainer before that. And uh, my, uh, when we, I moved to New Orleans about 11 or 12 years ago, I branded, when I started my practice, I branded myself as a stress management expert. Mm -hmm. And I contextualized that through Uh, a lot of my manual therapy techniques, I would always do a lot of decompressing the vagus nerve. 
And so that became really the foundation of it. And we're going to go way beyond the vagus nerve in this conversation today. Great. (laughs) (laughs) But I will give the listeners kind of, uh, and I will tell you, they're all very uh, experienced with when their vagus nerve is not working so well. Wow. Because that's everybody's fear of public speaking. That's when you get a lump in your throat and your palms sweat and your heart races and your digestion shifts because those <laughs> are all vagus nerve mediated functions. Wow. And when you're getting those symptoms, it means your sympathetic nervous system, your fight and flight responses have taken over and dominated your vagus nerve. Wow. Your vagus nerve is your grace under pressure. It's your rest and digest. And it's also your big pleasure pathway. It's the biggest component of your parasympathetic nervous system. And that's where sexual pleasure is processed. And that's, you know, when we feel good, Mm -hmm. you know, just when we feel healthy and we feel vibrant, those are also vagus nerve sensations. And my background is in treating people that have not had success in other places. And so you know, when, when you get people that come to you because they've been around the block five or six times and they've Mm -hmm. seen a bunch of other physical therapists and chiropractors or had a few surgeries and still didn't get the results that they wanted, then it it doesn't serve them to do the same thing that they had before (laughs) because it didn't work (laughs) or, or they couldn't, it didn't work to the point that you, that they could buy into it. Gotcha. To really go with it. You know, no one really showed them the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And when people are in that kind of a situation, they are, and I say this with tons and tons of love. Yes. That they are really biomechanical train wrecks. Wow. That they are uh, not working correctly from their big toes all the way up to the base of their skull. Right. And so whether they have back pain or knee pain or whatever, that is just the part that's taking the beating for everything else that isn't working properly. And the uh, game that I've played, or, you know, (laughs) or my, 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 where I find this really fun, (laughs) you know, or my my joy, where I find my joy in doing, working with those complex patients, because they really do, like, I love that, that puzzle, is in finding what one or two or three things can I do that wipe out 10 or 20 or 30 biomechanical abnormalities. (laughs) Wow. And decompressing your vagus nerve, treating it like a pinch nerve, for me is one of the, like, really, from a structural level, it is the fastest way to get things to shift. Wow. And I think that, you know, uh, getting, you know, in terms of getting into flow, I'll say like your vagus nerve gets pinched where we have horizontal structures in the body. So for example, we know that trauma always affects the voice and the breath Mm. and your vocal cords and your diaphragm are horizontal muscles. They're horizontally oriented in your body. And for example, so is your pelvic floor. So Mm -hmm. in severe trauma, 
people may lose bowel or bladder control as well. Right. And those, and, and so while I contextualize a lot of this through the vagus nerve and um, when those horizontal muscles uh, and structures get compressed, get tight, get altered in some way, the, we lose, it traps also the arteries and veins and nerves that are going vertically through those structures mm-hmm. and lymphatics and everything. And you literally lose flow internally wow. in your body. And right. then it will manifest that you lose flow externally in your life, that life suddenly becomes very hard, whether that's through a physical pain or even through obstacles. I work with leaders and high performers that are just trying to stay on the leading edge of their industry and their innovation, things like that as well, and find their flow so that they can have the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. And so the like to have external flow, it really helps to have internal flow. Right, right. And from uh, my physical therapy standpoint over the years, what was always most attractive to me about treating the vagus nerve is that it uses the same neurotransmitter that your muscles do. So you get these really beautiful neuromuscular or musculoskeletal, it is neuromuscular, but you know, like these, like you get great changes in range of motion and flexibility and, uh, and even strength because muscles come back into better length tension relationship with, (laughs) within themselves. Wow. And so things, uh, so that was always my real, um, you know, one of the big selling points is for me as a clinician to go, oh, this, you right. know, this can really have, have an impact. And when you treat a nerve, you really, you start to really shift the whole system. It's just, a, uh, you know, we're really neural beings <laughs> that have these, you know, these other uh, pathways of the nerves uh, influence like muscles and bones and, th- you know, and things like that. And so the nerves for me, treating a nerve is just the fastest way to, uh, to transformation. And I'm, yeah. uh, you know, and I'm, I, I know, I suppose overall, I'm not very patient. So I'm always looking for like, what's the, <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the key to, do this, no, to, totally. make, this, to, to make this happen. It's and the fastest and then route. What's the fastest route? Yeah, like, like, let's just cut through the, you know, the nonsense <laughs> here. And really, I think, that, you know, like, I mean, you know, I, for me, this is also, like, I would love nothing more than to be so good at what I do that I put myself out of business. <laughs> that everybody's, you know, everybody's like, and that's what it, I, yeah. that everybody's got it. Like, and nobody really needs me. To me, that would be the ultimate <laughs> success. Awesome. You know, I'll find something else to do <laughs> if I can do that. Well, I'm sure you've got plenty of other things you can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's definitely plenty of things to do. But I think that that's something that, you know, um, you know, like, I think that's a, a very, you know, I, I would love to see that as the goal that all of medicine, mm-hmm. you know, and all of healing really held yeah. to be so good that you weren't really needed, you know, that people were just mm. were organic would organically make themselves healthier. And that's part of my, uh, my big, big vision with the um, Vegas nerve as a business model, you know, and as an economic model as well, but backing down to the kind of more to the uh, practical, your Vegas nerve is also the bridge between your body and your story. Mm. 
And so when your story is trauma and stress, your vagus nerve tends not to work so well. And when your story is pleasure and joy, your vagus nerve tends to be functioning better. Wow. (laughs) And in working with people that, you know, and, and getting to know them, you know, physical therapists spend a lot more time with their patients than some other aspects of medicine do. <laughs> and what I heard over and over is how the story that was playing out in their bodies physically was very metaphorical for what was happening outside of their bodies and their personal lives. Mm. And in it, and so I ended up really doing a lot of storytelling. And storytelling right. is really powerful medicine. The science of the neuroscience of storytelling is fascinating because it really gets us. Uh, we it, it particularly evokes uh, the oxytocin, which is the hormone that makes us feel connected. Right. You know, and as humans, we we connect with story much more than we do with process. Right. And the difference between acute, subacute pain and chronic pain in the research is that chronic pain gets stuck in your limbic system, which is where your emotions right. are held. Yes. And you need, and I would argue that it's probably not even just the, that chronic pain gets stuck there. I would say that it's any chronic limiting belief. Mm-hmm as well that gets stuck there and you need an emotional key to get it out you can't technical talk somebody out of right that situation and all of the leading pain science experts will tell you they get really excited when somebody cries or gets angry (laughs) right because then they know they're going to get better yeah it's the people that that have a flat effect that they really worry about yeah And so when, uh, and in the, so then in the throes of my own uh, midlife crisis slash spiritual awakening, (laughs) (laughs) I came to really understand how prescriptively story lives in the body. Wow. And that, uh, I had a a time where my life was literally falling apart. My, uh, my body was falling apart. I was having a lot of foot pain and my blood pressure was high. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Cause I think I take care of myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and I was, uh, my marriage was having a lot of stress and I had a professional lawsuit. Wow. As well. And so it really just felt like everything was crumbling. And I had been really, um, you know, I'm very comfortable kind of like under the radar, and you know, being everybody's best kept secret. My reputation locally was that I'm the body whisperer, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was really to, um, uh, you know, everything had to crumble for me to come back together in a new way. Right. And in the midst of that, you know, I, I, a lot of that stress was happening because I was like trying to 
fit myself into this physical therapy box when I was doing something that was much bigger mm-hmm. than that. And, um, you know, I will say naming it is still a little bit challenging I bet, <laughs> in I terms bet. of what I do, you know, yeah. but in, uh, but I did some reading and one of the things that I discovered was that mythology was a mode of scientific writing. So, for example, in the ancient Egyptian myth of Isis and Osiris are the numbers of the Earth's processional cycle. And so it was the myth was a way that they communicated the cosmology. And there are other myths from other cultures that have the same numbers. So this is a very consistent thing that's understood. Uh, And when uh and and so my pt brain instantly was like oh what's because the earth said about a 23 and a half degree tilt and that's not one of the numbers in the story but that was like my you know that was kind of that was in the one of the things that that i had been reading about as well and i was like oh what's 23 and a half degrees from the midline of the body wow and so i pulled out my anatomy books and in all of my anatomy books and i've had a chance to look at real uh skulls since the opening where the vagus nerve exits the base of the skull is 23 and a half degrees from the center of where the spinal cord exits. <laughs> and, and, and like there's, and that's a technique that a lot of osteopaths and PTs and chiropractors, you know, that people that have had done cranial work, like understand okay. how to open up that, uh, the jugular frame and where your vagus nerve comes out. And I, I mean, the ones that I like my colleagues I know they would all say it's just like putting somebody back on their axis Mm. you know it's really magical in that way wow that's a great way to say it yeah and we know also that now through research that when solar and space weather disrupts the electromagnetic field of the earth it's measurable in our vagus nerves yeah and so we are literally synchronizing and aligning on a much bigger scale than we're aware of. And so as a PT, when I think about alignment and what's out of alignment and what's out of flow, that, you know, I, I can take that all the way out into, <laughs> you know, the, the cosmos quite yes, literally. Yes. And, you know, one of my favorite, like the easiest way to, to um, think about that in the body is with the diaphragm, because in all humans, there's more muscle mass on the right side of the diaphragm than on the left. It's just part of our inherent asymmetry. It probably has to do with the fact that most of us are right-handed. It's also because your liver is there and it's much bigger than you probably imagine if you haven't ever dissected a human (laughs) cadaver. Can't say they have. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, I I still remember being completely shocked at how big the liver was. Wow. I did that. And the, um, and so what happens though, is people get really locked down on the right side, Mm. you know, they'll like posturally their right shoulder might be a little bit lower. They'll be a little bit right rotated. And, but the earth below us and the solar system above us all go the opposite direction. And so there are these, like, and I've built this out, there are a series of what I call critical angles in the body that mimic or related to the uh, tilt of the earth and to different, you know, parts of the processional cycle. And when those angles are not right, I find that you are less likely to feel well. You know, that you're less likely to be in, it makes getting in flow, whether that's through physical health or otherwise Mm -hmm. more challenging 
The next piece of it that really came to me in the midst of that was, you know, the throes of my own <laughs> reconciliation with, yeah. uh, with, my, with my life path was when I, um, I did an, uh, a free online stress management thing. It was around the holidays a number of years ago. And I have a favorite picture from a set of anatomy books that I got not very long after I graduated to go with a set of courses that I was taking. And in them, there's a, an image that's a compilation of MRI images to give a 3D picture of what the ventricles of the brain look like. Mm. And the ventricles of the brain make cerebral spinal fluid. And concurrent with this, I had been studying astrology to figure out why I was falling apart because <laughs> I was running out of answers. Right. I love, I love it. The, I love it. Um, you know, when, this, when the stress management expert crumbles, like, you know, things have gotten. <laughs> like <there's> a, <laughs> something's you know, going like, on. Yeah. Something's going on. Yeah. Like, no, there was a whole new, uh, you know, it really leveraged, forced my hand to, to, to right. like into, you know, some new things that I, um, that I hadn't explored previously. And the, uh, in this image, the ventricles look just like the ram's horns that represent Aries. And in astrology, Aries rules the head. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like where, well, I was like, where's the rest of it? And sure (laughs) enough, (laughs) the way your hyoid bone in your throat sits on top of your larynx looks just like the symbol for Taurus and Taurus rules the throat. And your aortic arch is the same shape as a symbol for Leo, and Leo rules the heart. And your kidneys sit in your low back, just like a set of scales, and Libra rules the kidneys. Wow. (laughs) And so it works this way the whole way through the body. Wow. So this mythology is really a mode of scientific storytelling. Holy And as a stress management expert... One, I can use that with people to help them really connect with the story that's happening in their lives to really get into those spiritual and stress-related underpinnings of Mm -hmm. physical dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And two, I've created a form of energy medicine out of it that the only words I really have for it, because it blows my mind all the time, is it's like speaking to the body in its original language. Wow. That and... my mind is absolutely blown. I, <laughs> I, I, this is so much my language and just what I can't articulate. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're so, oh, <sighs> I'm so glad that, you know, I think it, well, people intuitively know this and we use it in our language, even that, you know, I mean, even when we say, um, things are out of balance or somebody's being bullheaded mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the lion hearted, like we use this language. Wow. It's coded into our language too. And my favorite thing about the Libra and the scales ruling the kidneys, or I don't say it's my favorite, but I think it's one of the most poignant examples of how this really lives in our bodies is that when, uh, you know, for us in the United States and certainly in some other countries as well, scales represent justice. Yes. And here, at least the populations with the highest levels of social injustice have the highest levels of kidney disease. Oh, my gosh. And so it, we embody, like they're embodying this injustice wow. quite literally. That's and so, amazing. you know, restoring social justice is not just about restoring social justice. This is about really transforming people's 
health and vitality yes, as well. Yes. You know, this is like this, you know, it changes everything and it changed, you know, and then this is really, it's fun to take this into the design industry too and look at how uh, business logos and country national seals and things like that live in the body and how those seals either distort or amplify <laughs> the energy as well, you know, because it starts to tell the story of, um, you know, some national characteristics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. God, that is just absolutely mind bending blowing. I had no, I <laughs> had no idea you were going to go there, but I'm so into it. Uh, well, I think the only rule we ever really follow is as above, so below. We even have structures within mm-hmm. ourselves that are the same shape as the constellations. Like adenosine trisphosphate, the energy that our mitochondria and our cells make is the same shape as the Aries constellation. And, you know, cytoplasm, which is like the, you know, essentially water within the cell is the same shape as the cancer constellation. <laughs> and so there's all of these, you can really, um, you know, this doesn't only work through Western astrology, this works through the Vedas. And you can uh, talk about this, you know, in the Egyptian pantheon and every, you know, I mean, I'm far from a mythology expert, you know, there's so many different cultures (laughs) to go through. But I think no matter what we're doing, we're telling the story of Mm -hmm. as above, so below, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. somebody gave me the shared with me recently, the story of it's a Sufi poem uh, called the conference of the birds. And I read it and I said, um, I was like, Oh, this is the story of the, um, it struck me as the seven deadly sins or which Mm. there were really eight or eight virtues, eight eight deadly sins. But these are the hormones, the pituitary glands secretes. And this goes with all of that, you know? And so it was, really fun to um you know and and she laughed at me when I said you know like that blew her mind when yeah I I said oh this is you know that's you know but I think that you can put these you know we do this all very subconsciously you know and and in a and you can even strip down the really the spiritual language out of it because like when you're uh like for example when for people that have a lot of headaches or neck pain kind of issues, very often their heroics are at odds with their desires. Wow. So the, it's They're like the head the and the heart kind of going against it each is. other. Well, it's the head and the throat. I would say it's your Aries and your Taurus against each other. Oh. Rubbing on each other. And that it's your, uh, you know, that you're like, and this is a, women experience this all the time. Like we're, trained to be the hero in our significant other story the hero in our children's story mm-hmm. <laughs> you know very hero much so. in our parents story you know yes. that there's like that you know like our story is usually the last one that gets addressed yes and the uh and we often women very often don't know what they desire when i i ask this question mm-hmm. to my clients mm-hmm. all the time what is it that you really want and like that usually leaves them tongue-tied Yes. Because we've been so trained to think about what everybody else, else wants, wants. And not exactly. about what we really want. You know, yeah. what do we, you know, what are our deepest desires and are we really clear on them? And then you can take it into 
like do your heroics and your desires have some kind of contract with each other to where there's a trade-off mm-hmm. because in an ideal situation, there's not a trade-off, you know, that one doesn't compromise for the other. Ideally. Yes. That would be great. You know, <laughs> and that you can, right. But you can see very often where like, Oh, if I'm, uh, you know, like, like if I'm the hero in someone else's story, then I don't have to like do the thing that I came here to do, <laughs> you know, or to do the big work. Right. It leads us or away it from it. Leads us away from it. Right. Or I can, I can play small. Right. I don't, you know, that I don't have to play big or I can stay invisible rather than being visible. And I get like, I've lived this, <laughs> you know, my husband yes. was a yes. naval aviator. Like I was totally the, you know. You know, I mean, I spent 20 years as a Navy spouse. So, mm-hmm. you know, and really supporting that. And I always had my own thing going on too, but there. Um, but not as much out in the open. Not as visible. much out in the open. Right. Yeah. It, right. And, and it, quiet. it really, it gave me the space. It gave me a great shield, you know, to really hide and stay under mm-hmm. the radar mm-hmm. and not put myself out there on a big scale and not be right. seen and not be, um, you know, validated or accoladed or celebrated or anything like any that, of that. You know? yeah. Like it was, yeah. Wow. So when you are approaching um, working with someone, like where do you start? Well, I you know start. so much. <laughs> yeah, I start. Well, the beautiful thing about, I really start with a conversation with their body and with their energy. I work with mm-hmm. people both in person and remotely. And so doing the physical assessment and the energetic assessment gives me a place to start. I will, um, you know, if people are willing to share it with me, I will also look at their astrology charts just mm-hmm. to give like a, um, I really look at how they best nourish themselves and what their wounding pattern might be. Right. In there. And so that's what, uh, you know, I'm not a full on astrologer by any means, but like I can get a sense of that, Mm -hmm. of those pieces from that's what I really look for in the, in their chart. And when, um, you know, and certainly with their history, like what they're going through and what, you know, what their story is. So I can start to match it to a story, (laughs) uh, you know, the story that I'm perceiving in their body, mm-hmm. you know, or to a mm-hmm. mythological right. story gotcha. that's, that's going on. And when I do a lot of teaching people how to talk to their bodies and how to do right. body-based deci- decision-making, because your mind will lie to you mm-hmm. almost every chance it gets. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's a slippery thing you know, your body will really tell you the truth. And so really getting that decision making into the body and how does the body say yes? And how does the body say no? And how do those smaller pieces of the, you know, how does your heart say yes? How does your heart say no? Mm. How do your feet say yes? How do your feet say no? And so I really, uh, you know, in addition to the objective assessment, you know, in history, kind of go with, you know, look at the energy, like how is there, um, you know, how does the ram in their head, how do the ram's horns in their head look? How does the bull in their throat look? How does the lion mm-hmm. in their heart look, mm-hmm. you know, to me? Wow. And how does it feel to me? Mm-hmm. And then to go, okay, like, you know, where's like, what's the primary problem here? Like, which one of these is going to restore the rest of them? 
and the body will tell you (laughs) like it's and most of you know I will say around 60% of the time you can make an algorithm out of this like that it's very predictable how this works but there's always about 30% of people that did not read the textbook before they showed up Mm-hmm. you know, in, in my office or on my computer screen, you know, yeah. and that th- they're not following the algorithm, <laughs> but I've seen it before, but I, you know, like I can connect the dots here. I understand how this is working. And then there's always just a handful of people like that five or 10% left that wrote their own textbook and I have to read it to figure out what needs to happen. Wow. You know, that some people are, um, uh, that it's, it just doesn't, like, they're not following the rules. And this is where medicine, you know, these are the people that fall through the cracks in medicine, because particularly, like, I graduated from PT school in 1996, and that was at the advent of the big push for evidence-based medicine, where all allied Mm -hmm. health professions had an evidence-based practice policy and everything. And that's great. Like you should know that your interventions work, (laughs) you know, that they're, but one of the things that it really did is it sucked a lot of creativity and critical thinking out of Mm -hmm. clinicians in my experience. And that if you got somebody that came to you and didn't fall into one of these boxes, that near SOL, suddenly (laughs) right. They had no idea what to do. Yeah. You know, rather than thinking like, okay, this is a whole person, <laughs> like I can look at the whole body, you know, and see how, the, you know, to really see how this person's moving, that how, the, you know, how is, you know, you know, what's happening in this person's life and to really, uh, really connect the dots. But medicine has what I call a, a massive Osiris wound mm. and <laughs> in the Egyptian myth of Isis and Osiris. Uh, Osiris got chopped up into pieces by his brother who wanted to be king. Osiris was the king of Egypt and his brother was jealous and angry and wanted to be king. And he killed him the first time by uh, shutting him into a, tricking him, tricking him into laying down in a coffin and having his soldiers shut the lid, nail it and send him down the Nile River. (laughs) And his wife Isis, then when she found out about it, she went and rescued Osiris took him to a cave and brought him back to life and then when Osiris's brother set found out about that he was furious and he went and found Osiris and chopped him into pieces and scattered the pieces of his body down the Nile mm. and Osiris or Isis his wife uh, picked up all of his pieces <laughs> she found and brought him back to the cave she found everything except for his phallus and for that she made a new one and she brought him back to life long enough to conceive their divine child Horus and then Osiris went on to be king of the underworld which for the Egyptians Mm. was where all life came from and all treasures were found and we use dismemberment metaphors in our language all the time we say we're falling apart Mm -hmm. we can't get it together our hearts are broken our lives are shattered Mm. we'd give our left arm for something we really want And while everybody probably thought Osiris, that his destiny was to be the king of Egypt, 
his real destiny was to be the king of the underworld. And he literally had to come apart to come back together in a new way. Mm-hmm. And that's something that people would have experienced trauma at all levels can identify with. Completely. You know, trauma is this really this initiation and this invitation mm-hmm. to come together in a new way. You can't be your old self. Right. After that. But medicine right now as an industry is so chopped into pieces. Yeah. yeah. It's and where completely fractured and where one, you know, you see a different person for all these different systems and body parts. And even, you know, even within an orthopedic practice, you'll see a different person for your knee than you will for your ankle. Like they're not connected. Mm. And while a lot of that has to do with surgical technique training, there's this lack of really being able to see us as whole beings. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fascinating. And so you know, ISIS hasn't yet shown up to uh, put medicine to back, put together back together yet. Together <laughs> oh, but, you know, I'm working on it. <laughs> Thank <Really>. you. <laughs> I think that it's, you know, and, and that's where I think that, um, you know, and even within the body with the vagus nerve and these horizontal compression points, that your vagus nerve itself is what gets traumatized. It gets fractured. It gets compressed. It, it experiences its own Osiris wound. Mm-hmm within the body. And when you get that flowing, I have the biggest success story of my career is, um, and his testimony testimonials on my YouTube channel is with somebody who had a, came to me, uh, with an acute onset of hallucinations. Mm. And he was referred by somebody, a mutual person, somebody that we know, or we know we have, we have a mutual uh, point of contact. And she called me and said, my friend really needs you. Um, can you see him today? And it worked out perfect. You know, I was like, yeah, I can see him today. And he, um, but that's all the information I had until I walked in my office. Wow. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's like hallucinations or I've treated a lot of anxiety, depression, but, you know, hallucinations were not in my wheelhouse, especially acute onset. And, uh, but he was living in a nightmare. Oh. And he uh, had been turned down by some other people that he had tried to see. And, you know, and he clear, you know, like it was very appropriate to, I said, well, all right, I'm going to get you set up. You need some, you know, it's like, you're going to need a psychiatrist. Like you need to see someone. But it was very clear to me that I couldn't just send him out of my office in that moment mm-hmm, either. Mm-hmm. Say I, so I thought, all right, I'll just decompress his vagus nerve, find him, you know, get him referred out to the appropriate services <laughs> and, um, you know, and go from there. And so I took him through, you know, I, I uh, did my physical assessment and he was in what I, and I've seen this many times since also, he's in what I would call vagus nerve lockdown. Wow. Where everything was like the range of, his range of motion points that I measure, those biomechanical tests that I do that I associate with vagus nerve compression were so severely limited that he had almost no rotation in his body. Mm. And you know, like nobody gets stressed or traumatized and has really great arm swing when they walk. Right. You know, nobody's really, you know, we all lock up. Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
and so but he was just beyond being tight like he was just you know locked down and from my visceral mobilization training you know you learn how to feel like when somebody's kidneys are moving and feel how their lymphatics are moving in their body and things like that and none of it was moving and so even though he was walking and talking and breathing you know like he really essentially kind of amazing yeah dead under my hands and so you can imagine and I didn't find this out until after the the session that he had a really strong like he was very seriously contemplating suicide Mm -hmm. because he was trying to make the external world match what was happening in his internal world oh my gosh what torture and in that one session which was like maybe 90 minutes I I know I ran long with him (laughs) you know to Um, But I went and I decompressed his vagus nerve and I brought all of myself to the table. I, Mm. you know, I gave him an an intuitive reading that um, was very deeply meaningful (sighs) to him. I had, uh, you know, in in the throes of my own, of my crisis, one of the things that started happening when I was, as I was describing metaphors to patients is they would, or I thought I was describing metaphors, (laughs) giving, you know. things is they would say Melanie you just described my grandmother and the outfit we buried her in Whoa. <laughs> and you know so yeah. like my like and that was like that's not my wheelhouse at all you know but uh, like but that was kind of fun it was sort of edgy you know like there was something <laughs> that was very exciting about that too but I really just brought all of myself to the table for him that day and he cried yeah which was huge you know was really needed so that emotional big. release you know and I spent um and I you know but I decompressed his his vagus nerve in many places, but particularly I would say on, um, uh, definitely at his head and also at the backside of his heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having, spending like some time with your hand on somebody's heart is a very powerful, yes, it is. <laughs> you know, and in a kind of thing. And, but at the end of that session, 90% of his hallucinations were gone and he wasn't living in a nightmare anymore. Wow. And we did one more session to kind of clean it up. And he still, you know, he went and got other help after he saw me too, Yeah, (laughs) you know, but that was really, um, I had no idea I could do that. You know, I just thought I was going to just do what you do. And then, yeah, yeah. Right. And then refer him on. Right. (laughs) And, you know, my PT friends, when I tell that story or, you know, look, they look at me like I have three heads and they're like, okay, so (laughs) he was having hallucinations and they thought of you to send him to, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's what happens. Thankful for him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. And he's like, it's so great right now. And I run into him every now and then. It's really fun to catch up and, and, you know, it is. It's totally the best. And, you know, but really like I can, I think, you know, and I would love to partner with somebody to really research this. I think you can measure suicide ideation biomechanically in the body. Oh my gosh. I would not be surprised. I'm, I'm so many. Yeah. I have so many ideas about yeah. that. And yeah. That I mean, I've definitely seen it. be I've, one I've of them. Se- yeah. I've seen it too many times. Mm to dismiss it like I know this is a thing and I think you know when people you know choose to die that way and we're all really shocked like oh my gosh I never knew like I can guarantee you that it was showing up in their bodies yeah yeah you know I just think that I completely um, agree 
you know, and that what we define, you know, that mental health is not really about your brain. It's about mm-hmm. your body. You know, mm-hmm. your body is really, yeah. you know, like the, 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 one of the pinnacle texts in psychiatry is that is the body keeps the score mm. Yeah, by Bessel van der Kolk. You know? yeah, and I that's... think that really just, you know, that added, you know, la- layering in this, the mythology, the, you know, in this sort of ancient wisdom mm-hmm. along with our modern yes. science really allows us to see how this lives, how stress and trauma very, very prescriptively and specifically live in the body. And to really, you know, when you see somebody for their story, like so much of healing is just being seen. Like mm-hmm. I know that when I, you know, even before I was doing the, um, astrology mythology piece of what I'm doing that when I would evaluate somebody and say yeah I'm sure you feel terrible your body you know your body is <laughs> like, telling me so your body is absolutely telling me so and very objectively I can measure this yeah that so powerful that, you know, that is so revelatory such a relief right yeah. and like that's usually when they would burst into tears yeah yeah well just the because acknowledgement they, the affirmation the acknowledgement yeah being seen yes. and witness is very is very powerful so and powerful. you know and our our HIPAA laws I think are killing us Mm. matter of factly that you know you have to be witness to really truly heal this healing in secret Mm -hmm. you know and keeping your issues secret is keeping the (sighs) stigma and the fracture and the limitation you know it's maintaining that osiris wound right right completely see that giving you the chance to really come uh, come into the light you know come into the light and to be loved and to Uh, and to influence someone else to be, you know, to to inspire somebody else in their story. Yes, completely. You know, and every time I told the hardest parts of my story, yeah, you know, I never got chided or reprimanded or, you know, or right. dismissed. Overwhelmingly, what I got was me too. Right. Or this is really, you know, like I feel, you know, like this is really, you know... Uh, you know, that I've had a similar experience or like, gosh, you really, you know, Melanie, you deserve so much more. Like, don't let this limit your, (laughs) you know, you're so magical. I got so much affirmation Mm -hmm. in all of that, that I so desperately needed. Like other people really helped me see myself right in a way that I couldn't. Totally. That's been my story. Wow. So so powerful and and i just want to say thank you for honoring you know the community that you're serving by showing up in the way that you are with everything that you've been gifted to to bring forth how incredible for the for the people that get to spend time space with you um you know i can speak for myself having experienced you know since covid having to get um different therapies via zoom or via facetime mm-hmm. And I really want to encourage those of you listening that it might seem to you that you won't achieve the same um, attunement, you know, uh, transformation, alignment, whatever, via a, you know, FaceTime call or Zoom call. But I have experienced that it is, it's just as powerful and it's, it's different, but um you know, to show up in into the session with an open heart and open mind and, and be willing to just experience something new and in, in a different way. Um, you know, 
I'm sure your work takes on like a whole new feeling and uh, intention. You know, you might even feel like you have to be, do you, do you tend to feel like you have to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, charged up or, or in tune when you're doing online sessions? You know, um, no, I actually, you know, for me, sometimes, you know, the online sessions are certainly different, but I love them because Mm -hmm. they're, I feel like I get the bird's eye view that when I'm with somebody face to face is harder to achieve. Right. Yes. Very well said. And that no matter what you do, like which, what your format is, it's really about setting the container. Yes. You know, and I've just, you know, through some of my formal training in mind, body medicine and, um, you know, adapting it for my own processes, have my own way of setting the container and mm-hmm. knowing that I am the container, <laughs> you know, that yes. that's just what it, what it is. Mm. And that when, um, and it's so much like speaking to the body in its original language that it ends up being really potent. I've been teaching, uh, one of the things that I launched sooner than I expected to was my first round of training other clinicians in what I do Great. with COVID. So I Great. started that in June and they're like, they crack me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we're, we're just at the very end of it. They're, but they're like, you know, I would do online stuff and they're like, well, I don't want to go. <laughs> I like the space, oh, <laughs> which is so incredibly heartwarming to me that I can create a space in that virtual format that people yeah. don't want to leave. Yeah. Like that's my, you know, like I don't have the zoom exhaustion. I think yeah, me I, either. I also, I, I don't see the, I, I know I am very comfortable being here and there at the same time. Yes. Like that non-locality, that, <laughs> you know, quantum field sort of thing yeah. is the space is very comfortable to me and very familiar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and when I can bring that in for, uh, for other people, I, you know, I've contemplated putting a course out and running and like creating a, a good Zoom container that, you know, that feels, you know, for meetings that feel good, because I think yeah. there is a little bit of um, a formula to that, you know, that people could, could adapt. And when you really, um, but, but to me, that's fun. That's like a playground. Like it's yeah. not, you know, to, you know, to go, you know, look what I can do. I even, I have my, uh, I have a friend whose three-year-old has been really difficult to put to bed the last this past week, <laughs> and she, uh, we were texting, and she said, "Well, it, you know, she was um, going to send me something, and she's like, I can't right now because my daughter's screaming and wanting to sleep." <laughs> and I said, "Well, do you want me to do some energy work?" And so the last two nights, I did literally like maybe no more than sixty seconds of, <laughs> you know energy you know maybe two minutes by the time I really assessed it and whatnot for her daughter Mm -hmm. and both times she immediately quieted down and went to sleep after I did Mm. (laughs) I was like oh that's I haven't thought about that as a skill (laughs) oh my gosh yeah be careful what you you offer right be the baby whisperer (laughs) right yeah it's like but it's like but it really you know but just to know that you can be in that space and that this like when you speak to the you know I was like what I did was to speak to her body in the its original language like Mm. I could tell what was the problem was and and that's you know and this Mm. language issue is really the source of whenever there's a problem it's because you're not speaking the same language you know you're not speaking the original language (laughs) you know and so whether that shows up 
you know, <clears throat> as a business problem or a physical health problem or, you know, a mental health problem or whatever, it's the same thing. It's all the same thing, you know, and that you can turn your, you, you can look at your business as a body mm-hmm. and map it out and see where those compression points are in your business and see how your body aligns with your business's body and see like, and there's always a story in there that, that is the path, you know, that when you open it up or, you know, resolve it is really the, the pathway to transformation. That's, that's beautiful and powerful. I know I, um, I feel very attuned to your work and I, I know that there's just so much of what we're dealing with that it's kind of like, you know, what happened first and where do I start? And, you know, people experiencing everything from, you know, anxiety, depression to physical illness and ailments, you Mm -hmm. know, that, that keep them confined in one way or another, where do I begin? You know, how do I even begin to unravel this? And it's so overwhelming that then they don't do anything at all. And that's where I'm, you know, I'm hoping to bring information and and a constant space of understanding from my own experience of um, what, you know, burnout or, you know, what I first learned as being compassion fatigue and now understand as, you know, as, as industry specifically is to help someone not feel overwhelmed by those initial investigations and questions and that we, you know, maybe don't compartmentalize so much, but then ask a really basic question. Like you said, just, you know, if I begin with maybe an, uh, an inquiry, you know, what would you say to someone like, where, where are you finding that you're not finding joy in your life or you're feeling stuck or you're feeling like there's always Mm -hmm. kind of like coaching questions that people line up for an individual that they might be working with. You know, what would you offer to someone that they don't feel overwhelmed by it? Well, I'll maybe give three brief answers to that or pathways. I'm I'm sure there's a lot. (laughs) I, yeah. Like, I mean, like there's so many, variables you know that go into that I think one uh, I have like if you opt in to the uh, with your email address at the um, on my website it will send you a free vagus nerve decompression course Mm -hmm. that shows you how to assess and treat yourself head to toe great and that is even if your vagus nerve is not really the driving force of everything Mm -hmm. you know or like that or the pit you know if that's not that tends to clear the windshield enough so that you can see what's happening. It's a great analogy. Yeah. The, you know, I think in very simple terms, really tapping into how does your body say, just asking your body, how does your body say yes? And feeling Mm. what that feeling is. Mm. That's great. And how does your body say no? Because when things are problematic, your body is saying no, 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 no. no, no." And you're not listening. (laughs) And you're not listening. Right. Yeah. And so I think just getting really familiar with your yes, no mm. is super important. So important. So and that embodied yes, no, not the, right. you know, the yes, no of the mind. Exactly. 
and beginning to you know figure out what that is because a lot of people don't you know I think that's one of our biggest problems is the disconnection between the body and like you said and and the head and the ego versus you know intuition well and when you and when you get to find out how your body says yes no you are speaking to your body in its original language Mm. that your yes no doesn't have to look like my yes no right right and when you can speak in your original language that's a level of freedom no shit that that's pretty special yeah you know and that you know and that's been one of the more recent uh i guess synthesis points in my own journey Mm -hmm. (laughs) like because i because I've spent a lot of time trying to make my material make sense to others. Yeah. Wow. You know, and to, uh, you know, but just to really, you know, even when I am explaining it in the way that, you know, that I do or in the same way that I'm really to stand in myself in my original language, Mm. you know, to know that energetically I'm, I'm in my, I'm speaking in my native language. Mm -hmm. And the third thing I think is really, which is, uh, one of my favorite things to share with people is uh, from a, a quote from a tribe in the Andes mountains. And they mm-hmm. say that your future is behind you, propelling you forward. And your past is in front of you waiting for you to make peace with it and clear your way. Wow. And a lot of anxiety and burnout mm. and depression happens in this chasing your future mm-hmm. or, you know, this kind of this perception that it's out in front of you somewhere because it leaves you unsupported. You know, the idea that your future has your back, mm-hmm. I think is invaluable for most people. That's beautiful. A really powerful statement. I mean, just that visualization alone is, is really, um, I can feel that in my whole body. Yeah. No, I mean, to me, I get goosebumps every time I yeah. say it. <laughs> and I yeah. say it a lot because I love because I love it so much. And oh. I want everybody to really, um, you know, to really embody that and to really yeah. lean into the way that your future has your back. And my vagus nerve decompression exercise for the heart involves inhaling into the backside of your ribs and expanding your rib cage on the backside so that you get more space there and you can really breathe in to that supportive future and really start to, you know, connect with the backside of your body and connect Mm. with, you know, the support of the universe in that way. So beautiful. Thank you. That's such a gift. Yeah. Well, and that's the power of like story. Like I could technical Mm -hmm. talk your, you know, like when I give people the, I mean, not that the, I mean, the, the technical exercise that goes with that works quite well, but, but like when I give them that <laughs> yeah. story, you know, it takes the exercise to a whole nother level. Yes, it does. But you're inhaling into your future. Oh, it's so cool. I love it. You know, and it's, you know, medical practitioners, I think we should all be leveraging the story because mm-hmm. of the emotional uh, power that they have. Well, I just, again, it's like the wholeness, you know, that's what I, in the, in the work that I do through the, the workshop um, of offering to the beauty professional, that they're not just a hairdresser and that it's not just a beauty service. It's helping them acknowledge that there's you know, the mental bodies, the 
mental body, the physical body, the emotional body, and the spiritual body. There's these four bodies that are working within them as they work on their patron. And that patron has the same, you know, there's this exchange going on of all of these aspects of self. And we're so, like you said, fractured in, in trying to compartmentalize these pieces, you know, as a result of just being driven that way and, and educated Absolutely. that way and brought up that way. Yeah. And, you know, the dogma around every family dynamic um, just fractures us over and over and over again. It really does. And I think beauty as an industry, it, you know, like it often gets, you know, like it gets either uh, revered or demonized. Demonized, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, but, but I think it can be really like an exercise that I do with almost everybody that comes to see me uh, or a question I ask them. And this is another good uh, question for people to ask themselves is what does my soul look like? Like, what is he or she wearing? Mm. Wow, that'd be fun to go through. Yeah. And when you can get real clarity about that, and so, like, I'm very clear now, you know, my soul is very much this sort of queen high priestess, and she's got mm. this blue and white robe, and she wears tall riding boots, and she's got this crown that's got horns and crystals <laughs> in it. Mm. And, you know, my robe has these symbols embroidered into it. And the, and when I get like, I know that I am the only person that can take off my crown. And so like, if I'm rattled, mm. disheveled in some way, I can guarantee you that if I check in on her, that her crown's off center and, <laughs> you know, or her, robe is wrinkled somewhere and needs to be fluffed up you know they're like her royal cape's not fluffy you know not fully <laughs> poofed out yeah, you know? yeah. and you know like you always have to dance with other people's energies but you never have to shrink mm, beautiful and that imagery can be really powerful and mm -hmm. then like I almost always wear a necklace with a pendant on it of some kind and for me that helps me stand in my high priestess and I often wear a scarf draped around my neck and that reminds me of who my soul is mm. you know and I see my high priestess um as somebody with auburn hair or so and last fall I dyed my hair auburn for the first time oh. just to you know really connect with that wow and so you can really you know I think that this beauty you know that beauty can really be this expression of your um, inner self, your authentic self and your soul, you know, and, and mm -hmm. in a way that is super healing, you know, and to, um, you know, and, and, you know, for me, those pendants that I love, you know, gave me something to really hang on to when things were hard. Mm. Like it's something that tangible the thing talisman. to go, Oh, this yeah. is what's right. The talisman that this is who I am. You know, when everything, you know, when things really went sideways, I think those physical objects can be really helpful in that sense. Oh, that's really, you know, and the physical insightful. expression of your beauty. Right. You know, the adornment, you know, I think there's definitely Absolutely. something that needs to come from more of a, an inner knowing rather than an outer conformity, you know? Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, I think venerating your, 
soul and your, you know, and I even like in, uh, you know, I take people through <clears throat> meditations and imagery stuff for their mm-hmm. inner archetypes too. Like your, you know, bowl in your throat <clears throat> needs a, uh, like my bowl. <clears throat> well, you can tell my voice is starting. Now I'm having to clear my throat as I'm talking about my own bowl. But when I, um, uh, you know, when I initially did this, like my bowl didn't have enough bling, like it wanted <laughs> gold, gold horns and flowers on its head. And it wanted, you know, I had to like reimagine my inner <laughs> world, you know, with, uh, with some more bling. And I got my nose pierced when I, about maybe seven years ago or so I was about 42 I think when I did it you know and like now I will tell you that like oh I was trying to venerate my bull and I just didn't like I'd always wanted my nose pierced and I just you know and that's finally the point I'm working for myself I'm like I'm <laughs> like why am I not doing it oh I love it that's awesome you know yeah and, and so yeah you know and I think the makeup and the you know all those kind of things can be really um uh special in that way yeah yeah oh adorning the temple that's for sure. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Well, speaking yeah. of your voice, I just, I want to, you know, make sure that we're honoring your time. Um, and there's just been so much, this just chock full of incredible insight information. And what an honor to just share this with my, with my community. Um, I, you know, how, how do people find you? Let's, let's just kind of give people an invitation to, to reach out to you. Sure. My website is melanieweller.com. And if you opt in there, it'll tell you all the ways to connect with me. All the ways to connect with me are very clear on the website. Yes. (laughs) I noticed that. I would say that your online journey is very accessible. Thank you. Um, and so then, I love hearing from people, so please don't hesitate to reach out. Yes. And um, I mean, I've, I just feel kind of like it's uh, synchronicity and, and no accident that you and I were aligned. And I really appreciate uh, that you were able to, to take the time to do this. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you. And um, no, I would love that. Absolutely. This has been great, India. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Um, what an honor. Yeah. And just again, like, thank you for, for what you're doing out in your communities. I just, I feel like there mm. is, you know, so much to be said for the people who are really helping in extraordinary ways. And, um, you know, that my community might come in contact with you and explore deeper realms of themselves as they are in their communities, serving their, their people, um, in such extraordinary ways. And, um, and that's my hope, you know, that what we continue to open each other up to how powerful absolutely. we are Ab- and the impacts that we can make. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for seeing me. I know I feel most loved when I'm mm. seen. So yeah. I appreciate that wow. from you very much. <laughs> and, mm. um, and I'm, uh, <clears throat> uh, if everything goes well, I will have my book out in December or January, December 2020 or uh, January 2021. And so um, this information will be much more accessible to everybody. Well, that is very exciting. And I will definitely make sure that I mention that in the, um, in the podcast bio and posts um, for length 
links so that people can access that easily. And uh, I just want to say, um, we'll end and say thank you so much again. Um, and I look forward to connecting you with you um, in the future. Thank you, India. Wow. How many times did I say, wow, this podcast? Maybe we should count them. Uh, thank you again for joining me for this conversation with Melanie. And um, if you are curious, which I imagine you are just as curious as I am about all the different things that she offers, you can find her at MelanieWaller.com. And from there, you can follow her to Facebook, Instagram, and um, her YouTube videos. Thank you for joining me. And as always, if you enjoyed this and found value in what uh, we shared here, leave a review, um, subscribe to the podcast. And to stay connected, you can go to indiadun.com and sign up for my newsletter. I promise I won't over email you. You can just receive weekly notes of what is on the schedule, events, um, local events and online events, meditation groups and um, podcast releases. So be well, take care. And I'm thinking about you as always. I appreciate you. Your participation gives me purpose love and light until the next time.